Welcome to the fifth episode in an old series of Your Time and the Run, the Hunted podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is my fellow Brit, who quite famously can blag anything for £20 in Derbyshire, Anthony Williams. Hey, good evening, good evening. And the lady who asked the spirit world if her children are safe in the Ublia every week, Michelle pierce Denovan. <laughs> Hello. Hello, this is a weird, weird episode. It <laughs> Not is, much. It's wrong. It's so wrong, it can't even be right. It got to the point, and we are going to get to this pretty early into this episode, where last night before I went to bed, I drew a grid of all six episodes and how I would have scheduled them for this series. <laughs> let, me, mm. let me guess. Not like this. <laughs> Not like this is the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> because I even gave myself the usual hunted rules when I was doing this. <laughs> it's just such a weird episode, this one. And it's so weirdly told for this entire series, and it just comes to a head in this episode. It is bizarre. It's like they did the other five episodes and went, right, what have we got left? Yep, episode five. That'll do. <laughs> well, they just put everything in there at once. Yeah, just, just throw it all in. It's fine. I know we've talked a lot in this series, and believe me, this series has taken forever, so I'm surprised I can remember most of it. But I know we've talked so much on this series about how strangely it is told compared to the more recent series that we're used to. But this episode is like a fever dream of an episode. <laughs> There's yes. no better way for me to put it. Yeah. It's just like someone threw everything up in the air and decided to see what they could catch. Yep. Because normally my notes have, you know, the name of the team and then what they're doing underneath them. And normally you have that name of a team or all the team's names, maybe you have like six times on the page. So you're travelling between the different ones and you'd probably swap six times. I will count how many times this time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten times and then... Oh my god. It's just a mess. Yeah, this is, I would say, the messiest hunted episode we've ever had to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I said this to you guys when I was watching this episode last night. I was watching it and going, I know full well that Michelle is going to be not a happy bunny with a lot of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Because we do tease Michelle a lot about, obviously, they're stupid and things like that. But I was sat there watching this episode myself going... These people are thick. These people are very stupid last night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There is a lot of that, but there's also a lot of, huh? How, what? Hey? How did they How did they figure that? What? Why are they there? Yeah. Mm. And to borrow a phrase from you, Ant, there is a lot of monkeying in the timeline in this episode. Oh, boy, oh, boy, there is. Yeah, it's, it is all over the shop, and... Yeah, I, I cannot for the life of me think why they decided this was the best way to tell these stories. No. There is a better way, and I will go into that pretty soon. So we begin this episode with eight fugitives still on the run, four of whom we haven't met yet. There are still also a lot of scenes we haven't seen from the pre-episode segment, which is something we'll come back to next week, because there's a particular scene I want to pick up on that we have talked about off-air in, uh, in the premiere that I really want to draw attention to again next week. But last week, Adam Young, who has the golden plates, went on the run from Wales and led the hunters to a pub in Yorkshire. He escaped by hiding in a tree, was tracked down on a bus from Edinburgh, and ended his time on the run after 14 days. Stephen and Martin had a close call at a caravan site, where their tactic of using the canals proved ultimately boring television, 
but very successful as they lasted another long while. Emily jumped off a tourist train and Lauren made friends by doing her own version of Carpool Karaoke, and that's literally all we saw of them last episode. And we are also reminded of Stephen and Martin's loved ones being their weak points, Emily's desire to see her son Ernest again, and the breakdown in her friendship with Lauren, none of which are going to come back in this episode. <laughs> it's the least subtle introduction to a hunted episode I can ever remember is, oh yeah, don't forget, in episode one we reminded you that she really loves her son, <laughs> and she will do anything to speak to her son and remind him that she exists. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not subtle. <laughs> and as soon as that segment goes on TV, I go, oh, Michelle's gonna be raging. But it's not just that. I've got more to do with that. Not just not just that bit. Just, well, we'll have to wait till we get there. And we're introduced to Freddie and Jackie, who are already annoying Sherlock. They had loads of social media information, so he's expecting a quick win. And in Chingford, Freddie is paranoid and smoking and they have been on the run for five days. Jackie is Freddie's mother-in-law. She doesn't scare easily and has it in her to be a crook. And Jackie's husband is their getaway driver, and they accurately predict that the hunters will be driving big black 4x4s. And then future chief Doug makes the link between Freddie and Jackie, thanks to Facebook. Sherlock gets information on Jackie's husband's car, but they switch in Rumford and drive to a friend's house in Chingford, and they are the ones who were actually alluded to in the trailer of this series who change their appearance. Jackie by dyeing her hair, and Freddie by shaving his beard and head. And their plan from here is to have absolutely no plan. They head to a caravan park in that bastion of understanding, K-Star on Sea, where they <laughs> stay for three days. And my alarm bells went off immediately as soon as they mentioned the word K-Star, and I had to go back and look at my episode two notes and go, yeah, that's where the hunters were sent, wasn't it? By, uh, by the Sings. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So they've been there looking for the Sings, they're now there looking for Adam and Emma, and then it turns out this bit just absolutely baffles me. It's like, where's the intel sent them to Kester? Yes. I have no idea where this intel came from. I have no idea how the hell I did not remember this. It is just, I mean, in an episode of nothing making sense, this is perfect because there is no <laughs> logical, there's absolutely nothing to say why. Nick and Danny have been deployed to Kester in the first place. And then the whole, I mean, we're going to get to it, but then just this random stuff happens and it just, it's weird. I, I, honestly, this is the closest I've come to really not liking Hunted. I know that we stand up for Hunted a lot, especially when people say, oh, I just couldn't get into it. If you watch this episode in a vacuum, I think you understand why people say those things. Because they didn't really learn storytelling until series two, I would say. <laughs> I mean, there are obviously glimmers of it. There's stories like Emily and Lauren's are brilliantly told, but they just really didn't learn how to edit a series coherently until series two, I would say. Yeah, I agree. So Freddy asks the spirit world if they are safe, and they're told they are not. They are allowed to go to the shops, though. And on the way to the shops, Freddy is spooked by a big black 4 by 4 and they abandon the trip. I was interested, though. Why, why do you have to talk to spirits like they're foreigners? <laughs> Can we go to the shop? <laughs> Michelle, you probably have more information on this than the rest of us. I do. Like, okay, if you're going to use cards, you can't just sit there and say red is no or black is no and then do it. It takes longer. I don't, like... <laughs> 
when you use a crystal, you have to talk to the crystal, say you've got to give them test questions like, my name is Michelle and see what it does. And then whatever it does means yes. So I'm like, what are you doing with the bloody cards? That's not going to work. Anyway, that, that just frustrated me in like what, the first three minutes of the show and so it just set the tone for the whole thing. And who are these people? They've been on the run for five days. We've seen nothing and the next thing, they're scared of big black four-by-fours. Okay, if they lived where I live in Sydney, they'd be hiding in bushes because one passes you literally every two seconds here. <laughs> like, what the hell? Okay. Well, there's a significant bit of monkeying with the timeline here because it's established that they're five days in, but then we go back and see them leaving originally and making the getaway and then basically what happened in their first five days. Mm. It's a classic example of telling us rather than showing us. You don't need to have their story start with Sherlock going, oh, they're really pissing me off here. Just show them going on the run. It's not difficult. Yeah. Yes. And probably about three or four episodes ago. Yeah. I know that we're trying not to rant too much on this episode yet because it's a weird-ass one and I've got loads to say about the rest of it. But they genuinely have not learned that the best tactic to do is to show people going on the run at the start of the series, preferably. Or at least in the first half of the series because we are one episode away from potentially seeing people escape from the hunters. And yet, up until this point, there are still over a quarter of the cast members we have not met from this series. Yes. Just weird. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just genuinely odd. So in Derbyshire, in Derby, uh, <laughs> Lauren has been on the run for 18 days and checks into a room in a pub after two nights camping, lagging it for £20. And she says that the hunters are relying on ruining her mind to win talking of the hunters ruining her mind her best friend emily is nearly 100 miles away in peterborough missing her son and she's running out of steam and seems to have dark hair now and she asks her driver to post her card to her mum while she heads to cleethorpes and she's played putt putt am i correct yes she is indeed playing mini golf yes yeah which is what you do in cleethorpes to be fair she loves a seaside resort i've noticed because we saw her in a seaside resort last week as well unless that was from cleethorpes as well uh, could have been. Uh, I couldn't quite figure out where it was. I meant to look up some phone numbers. But yeah, she does seem to like this, this seaside. Doesn't she? And she's from near Brighton as well. So maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it makes her feel comfortable. On that subject, I did spend about half an hour last night making sure the hunted uh, Wikipedia page was up to date because there was basically no information on anyone from Series 1. <laughs> and I mean, absolutely no information. No jobs, no hometowns, no ages. I think there was about three people in total who had anything. Oh, wow. Of 14. So you fixed it all, did you? I officially fixed it all. I'm pretty confident on most of it. <laughs> There's a couple of people who I wasn't sure in the ages, but I gave a rough guess, I'll be honest. And then um, there was a few hometowns that I wasn't entirely confident on, but I did kind of skim through all five of the episodes to try and work it out. And Emily also admits that she wanted to run away from her life, but has realised while being on the run what she has missed. Which is sweet. It is sweet. And I, and I know we bang on about this every week, but she's really having a tough time. And it, it it's kind of hard to watch, mm. if I'm honest. And it's not for money or anything. I find it just amazing that they did this without any gain at all, any chance of a gain. 
I actually found the TV listings from the time last night when I was doing my How Wikipedia How the hell research. did you find that? Because people upload these things, Michelle. It's oh, the God. internet. Everyone uploads things. Crazy. If it's not TV listings, it's probably pornography, let's be honest. <laughs> I was very glad I found the TV listings. <laughs> yeah, they did specifically list this in the TV listings as documentary series. Because I wanted to see whether they made that distinction in the TV mags or not. And they did. Yeah, it's, it's just really tough. I think, do you know what? I think if we were watching this for the first time, I think we'd have some serious concerns at this stage, you know? I'm, I'm really glad we're re-watching it before we podcast about it because, yeah, I'd be like, oh my God, what is going on here? I mean, I'm coming off the back this evening to date the podcast slightly of watching Bo Burnham's latest stand-up special where he pretty much has a nervous breakdown in it. Mm. And it's amazing. I love Bo Burnham anyway. He's he's a lovely bloke. I haven't met him. But you genuinely, by the end of it, want someone to come in and give him a hug, I think. Mm-hmm. And tell him that everything's going to be okay. So, yeah, Emily's story kind of really hits home at the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not comfortable to watch. No. But I don't think it's meant to be. It's meant to challenge you. That's something they can get away with in, in documentaries way more than they could when it when it transitions to being more of a reality series. Next series is challenging you, challenging your opinions of people, and also Emma and Adam being there. So we get another new couple, which is Emma and Adam. They live in London, but are in the Yorkshire Dales, having gone rural. She is from Paris, and he is from Southampton. They are newly married, approximately eight months into their marriage. And Nick and Danny are sent to their flat. They find a lot of alcohol bottles, because French, and leaflets for camping in Dartmoor. Blex says that they have the right tactic. If he was to go on the run, he would go on the run with his wife. Which sort of contradicts what he's been up to in the past few weeks in (laughs) real life. Given that he has applied for the new series of Hunted, which will, by the time this comes out, hopefully have already filmed, with Sherlock himself. And he says it's like Bonnie and Clyde. Now we get to the section that I am going to rant about, which is Nick and Danny being sent to Caster to investigate a sighting of two brothers who've been on the run for seven days. Now, obviously, there's only two brothers in this cast, which was the Sings. We know that they did trick the hunters into going to Caster, But I'll say this now. The timeline does not line up. The timeline 100% doesn't line up because it was established in episode two that Nick and Danny were sent to Caster on about day two or three, to try and find the sinks. So if they've been on the run for seven days, according to what we found out in episode two, because yes, I went back and looked at this, they were already in Glasgow by then. But why are they even talking about two brothers now in this episode when they're gone? Exactly. And also, in the actual timeline of this show, they were in Manchester on day three, so they were long, long in Scotland by that point. But... If you're going to have a storyline like this, where, spoilers, ultimately Freddie and Jackie get caught as a result of this fluke from the Hunters, tell it in the same episode as The Sings. Yes. This was the entire impetus of me having a grid next to me, <laughs> mapping out what stories should have been in each episode, knowing what we know, obviously, about next week's Final Four episode. But I set myself the rules when I was doing this of make it as chronological as possible, One capture per episode, because there are six captures before the final episode, so one capture per episode. No more than three people or teams in each episode where possible. There are a couple of changes on that, but it's necessary. No more than one big event 
per episode. So Ricky's body, uh, Emily and Lauren splitting up, those sort of things, split them across the episodes. And at least one introduction per episode until everyone is introduced. Those are my five rules on this. So I would keep episode one as the same with Emily and Lauren, Ricky, and then Sandra and Elizabeth being introduced and captured. Episode two, I would have put Freddie and Jackie being introduced and captured. The things being introduced on the back of Freddie and Jackie and being a cliffhanger ending with them being holed up in the shop. And then I would have had a quick scene of Emily and Lauren in there, but dedicated the rest of it basically to the things. Episode three, I would have introduced Stephen and Martin. I would have introduced Adam and I would have done Ricky and the Body and had the things be caught at the start of the episode. Emily and Lauren split in episode four. Adam and Emma being introduced and then ending with them splitting up and make that a cliffhanger. Stephen and Martin at the caravan and Adam getting captured. Episode 5 would have had Adam and Emma being uh, captured, or Adam being captured, let's be honest. Quick scene from Emily and Lauren and Stephen and Martin, and setting up Ricky on the train with the cliffhanger ending. Then I would have had Ricky be caught at the start of episode 6. That's how I would have done it. Mm -hmm. And that would be a way more coherent story, and more importantly, it's pretty much chronological with who gets caught in what order. Yeah. With a couple of exceptions. And it's a much better series, because why would you not get... Ricky, right to the end. Chronologically, he nearly made it to the end, so why wouldn't you do that in the story when he's the big character? Exactly, mm. and there are built-in cliffhangers you can put yes. from from these episodes. You can have the Sings be a cliffhanger mm-hmm. with them being holed up in the shop in Glasgow. You can have Adam and Emma splitting up at the end, Emma getting caught, yeah. and Adam being on the run on his own as a cliffhanger. Yeah, crouching behind the car is a perfect cliffhanger. Yeah, you can have Ricky on the train being a cliffhanger. There are inbuilt cliffhangers in this series that work, and in any other series, they would have probably used them. And yet they rush through so many people in this series who lasted a very long time. I mean, The Sings lasted, what, 12 days, I think it was? Adam lasted 14 days. Adam and Emma were going to get to this. They lasted almost as long as Ricky did. Yeah. And yet they are compressed into one episode. It's crazy. Yep. It's just crazy. And I don't think they're doing these people a, a proper service here. No. I don't know why they told it in this way. And I realise that I am a third of the way through my notes here. And Freddie and Jackie still haven't been caught yet. But it doesn't make any sense having Freddie and Jackie be caught, if we're to believe the episode, three episodes after the sings when the sings are integral to freddie and jackie getting caught yeah and and just tangentially mentioning they've sent them there to look for two brothers we know everything there is to know about their story why are they just two brothers at this stage it's like they've not watched the episodes chronologically or something it's like they've edited each episode completely outside of the others yeah it's weird it is and it would if nothing else, this would be the major change I would make in the edit in the series is put the sings in the same episode of Freddie and Jackie, just because these stories flow into each other so beautifully. Mm. So, Nick and Danny are searching camping and caravan sites in the area and have one left to check, conveniently the one where Freddie and Jackie are. Jackie's so unsubtle when she sees their car, and after a brief sighting, Nick and Danny think it's Adam and Emma in the caravan. So if you introduced Adam and Emma, just a small introduction... This actually is told properly. 
Jackie and Freddie obviously panic, and Jackie's seen with a usual accessory of a cigarette on the go, because I actually don't think there is a scene of Jackie in this episode where she does not have a cigarette in her hand. <laughs> it's actually quite an impressive thing to pay attention to, because even in the getaway car, she is smoking out the window. <laughs> and just to make everything a little more subtle, they cover all the windows and doors on the caravan just to be safe. No, middle of the day, curtains shut when you know someone's inside. Totally, totally legit. No. <laughs> yeah, totally subtle. It doesn't make it look like you probably have a meth lab in there. <laughs> I'd like to know how long the hunters would stay outside, because they obviously can't break down the door, how long they would stay outside if they just refused to come out. Well, when... Freddy goes to the door after Nick and Danny knock on it. Freddy specifically says to Jackie, oh, we have to open the door to them. Um. And I've never heard that in any other episode to my memory. So that must be just one of the rules. If you get caught, you get caught. You yeah. can't barricade yourself in, basically. That's not, that's not very fun. I'd like to see that happen. <laughs> it's not very fun. But it is more sensible when you consider that it's not necessarily their property that Nick and Danny would be breaking into. Well, no, not that. But I'd like to see who would be better, myself or Nick and Danny, at staying (laughs) in the one spot. I can assure you I would win because they would finally have to leave. It's called Hunted, not Siege. Michelle has been holed up in the caravan for 17 days. <laughs> they just sat outside. That's like, just keep going back. We thought, no, not coming out. Okay, see you next week. No, not coming out. It's not the best series I've seen. <laughs> Michelle, you are the reason that they have to have the rule where you have to move every two days. <laughs> yes, I would move 30 centimetres. <laughs> I think you have to move... Five miles or more, I think. It's something like that now, isn't it? In 48 hours or something. Is there a car on the front of the caravan? Can I just move the entire caravan? (laughs) (laughs) I know it speeds up in the last week or so of more recent series. You do have to move every every 24 hours by at least five miles. But we're skirting around this. What are the chances? This is just extraordinary that they happen to stumble on a team. And and I don't... They do mention it, but it just feels so implausible. And it must be true. That's that's my, my take on it, is that because it's so implausible, it has to be true. or Otherwise, they'd have written another way around it because it just doesn't feel right. It's just bizarre. Yeah, it's the weirdest capture I can remember seeing. And I'm including stuff like Matt and Christina being caught on day one here. Yeah, It's just so unbelievably odd, because they get less than 17 minutes airtime. I did actually do the timestamp on this one for <laughs> once. Their time on the run is over in under 17 minutes, but really seven days in. It's just incredible. Which which must mean they, they went to ground, they ended up in Caster, no action, they're just milling around this caravan park and then Nick and Danny land on the park and catch them and that's that's it. There's no more footage, there's no more story. But it's just so extraordinary that of all the places in the UK, they go to Caster to look for one team who aren't there, they think they're looking for another team 
and then randomly chance upon another team. Weird. I mean, we only really see the the reasonable amount of successes that HQ have, being honest. They were in that caravan for three days, I believe. Mm. But going back to the the stuff I've talked about in the previous weeks of the contestant bios that I managed to find on the uh, the Channel 4 website, they are one of the rare ones where when you're asked about do you believe in the surveillance society or whatever the question was, they both agree on it that the surveillance society went too far. They're one of the rare pairs where there isn't that inbuilt bit of friction on it. So I don't know why they got cast. They seem to have been casting pairs where one person's on one side, one person's on the other, if they cast the pairs. It's weird. Mm. Um, so they were literally caught in the first 16 minutes of the show and they weren't even shown for that length of time because we had others on. So tell me, have we had another couple who have been on a show for such a brief amount of time before being caught? Or is this it? Sandra and Elizabeth were close. Mm. Oh, they were. I don't know the timestamp on them, but I think they only had about five minutes of airtime. And they were also surprisingly difficult to find ages for, can I point out? They were by far the hardest ones. Because despite the amount of television they've done, it's very difficult to actually find a proper age for them. (laughs) Because they're women of a certain age and they hide things. Yeah, it's none of your business, young man. It is everything of my business when I'm trying to make sure Wikipedia's up to date. <laughs> I'm sure they're very appreciative of your efforts, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, I'm doing a public service. Some of the kids at school sometimes ask me my age, and I just say it, but there's a little girl, if she's in earshot when someone asks me, she says, you know it's not polite to ask a lady her age. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, how do you know that at like five years old? And who's drilled <laughs> that into you? She's been raised by a Victorian mistress, that's why. Yes. <laughs> so funny. The answer is 76. Correct. Look good for your age, Michelle. <laughs> Thanks. So Nick and Danny do knock on the door and they have to open the door to them. Freddie and Jackie's time of the run is over in under 17 minutes, but really seven days in when the Sings were in at least Manchester, if not Scotland. And then we move to Adam and Emma, who are sleeping rough at night and trekking all day, and Emma begins to struggle. Yeah, I mean, they've not made it easy on themselves, these guys, which is good. There's a lot of this, isn't there, in Series 1? They've really gone for it. And I wonder, you know, do people in later series go like, yeah, you know what, you could go off the tracks, you could go rural, probably still going to get caught, so maybe don't go that far. (laughs) I had completely forgotten that Adam and Emma existed, and I'd completely forgotten their storyline in this entire episode of her ending up being pregnant on the run. Yep, me too. And Weirdly, I remembered uh, Freddie and Jackie more than I remembered them too. Yeah, as soon as I saw Freddie and Jackie in the preview last week, I'm like, oh yeah, they don't last long. But I had completely forgotten that Adam and Emma do almost as well as Dr. Ricky Allen here. Yeah, they do brilliantly. But yeah, Emma does end up pissing in a cup and throwing it out of the tent. <laughs> and it is very difficult. <laughs> Did you know that they actually now live in France? I didn't know that. Yeah, they seem to have emigrated to France, at least uh, from the laces that I can see, or that I've been able to track down, <laughs> I should say. Their child would be at school by now. Yeah, their child would have been six or seven by this point, potentially. 
So they get some CCTV from Finsbury Park at a cash machine and identify Adam and Emma's getaway vehicle as that lovely, inconspicuous car of a black Porsche. And they work out the route, driving to Milton Keynes, then on a train to Manchester Piccadilly, Leeds, and then Settle, which, conveniently, my parents are in Settle last week. Yeah, it does feel kind of appropriate that two PR managers escape in a Porsche. <laughs> They've got to, got to have good press, right? Have we ever had a Porsche on before as the getaway car? I don't think we have. No, I don't think we have. Because it's a very expensive vehicle, because it's a Porsche 4x4 as well, so it's going to have been driven probably by a yummy mummy. That's ridiculous, those things. I don't understand. We have them in Carline. This is where the kids get into cars at the school. Because I work in a school which has just ridiculously wealthy people who send their children there, it's literally a Porsche, a Bentley, a Mercedes in the car line. It's just insane the amount of money these people have just to use. And uh, and I just saw that and I thought, oh, my God, it's like I'm at work again. <laughs> it is a very Sloan Ranger car. So Blex finds out that Emma rang her medical centre five times before going on the run. He suspects that she could be pregnant and is waiting to find out for certain. And you know it's pretty bad when we go from, in episode one, the hunters revealing Ricky's search history about his penis enlargement, to episode five, Emma being revealed as being pregnant before she's told her husband. (laughs) (laughs) This is the key information. Adam had no idea that she was pregnant on the run. Yeah. But did she know? She suspected by the sound of things. Well, I didn't tell my husband. He can't keep a secret. I waited till 12 weeks, I think, because everyone would have known, and you don't supposed to say anything before 12 weeks, so I knew it for ages before I told him. <laughs> yep. The important thing here is surely there were medical tests. It is the first thing that they ask any woman going on a game show is, are you pregnant? Yeah. Do you think you're pregnant? Well, she would have said no at the time because the actual application process would have taken place before maybe she got pregnant. Yeah, but right before they go on the run, there will have been medical testing to make sure that she was fit and healthy enough to be able to survive off the land for 28 days or whatever. Yes. Oh, she's healthy. She would have kept it a secret. I'd be very surprised if there wasn't a pregnancy test involved. I don't think they'd make her have a test, but they would probably ask her. Yeah, I think they probably would have asked her. I'm just very surprised that she didn't even say, hmm, maybe. No, because she doesn't want to spoil her chances. I know she doesn't want to spoil the chances, but it's a liability for the production company. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. She would have had to sign forms to say that she wasn't pregnant. Yeah, probably. And it's odd that they say she's phoned the medical centre five times. It, it won't be about that, because if you think you're pregnant, they say, take a test. They're pretty reliable. That's all they do. So it may be that she thought something was wrong, and it turns out she was pregnant. There could be a real story to that. But mm. Because we only get them for one episode, we don't know, do we? They wouldn't have made her sign something to say you're not pregnant because, what, they're going to ask every woman to sign something like that? Even on forms for men, they ask, are you pregnant? What the hell? <laughs> Generic form. Yeah, it's a major liability for the production company because if she is pregnant and on the run, then they are liable for anything that happens Mm. to her unborn child when she's on the run. So if they're, for example, I don't know, camping for 10 days in the middle of Yorkshire, and God forbid she has a miscarriage or whatever, 
then there's a bit of legal murkiness in that, potentially, Ooh. in terms of damages and stuff. Mm-hmm. She would have had to sign something to say she didn't think she was pregnant, put it that way. Yeah, from the way it transpires, I think this is a surprise to her at the point when she finds out, which has got to be after she comes off the run. She would have definitely been asked right before going on the run, do you have any medical issues at the moment? I just think there is a a little bit of an unfortunate situation for the production company, and I suspect they maybe put some rules in in future after this to cover their backs a little bit more. But again, it's a documentary, not a game show, so they can document somebody who's pregnant, can't they? Mm, yeah. I suspect that there would have been at least one member of production team who, when they found out even Blex's suspicion, went, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, Christ, we've got to be careful with her. <laughs> yep. Let's get a local crew close to them. Because the fact of the matter is, because it makes it into the episode with Blex suspecting that she's pregnant, that sort of tips people off maybe that she might be pregnant both in the audience and on the production side yeah so they call in a favor staying at a friend's farm nearby their friend's son gets a tip off of a convoy of black 4x4s nearby and goes to check it out with a friend cigarettes on the go there is a lot of smoking in this episode (laughs) there is it was getting to the point where i was taking your cigarette count (laughs) because jackie is never seen without one we have adam and emma's friend's son who is smoking at the wheel you have Adam with a cigarette at least once, if not twice. Obviously, we've seen both Emily and Lauren smoking in the uh, in the past few episodes. We saw Solo Adam last week smoking. There's a lot of smoking in this series. Do we see much smoking in subsequent series? No. No, not at all. So. And it's quite unusual to see it on TV. It has been for a long mm. time. Yeah, it's one of the casualties of... Um, of changing it from a documentary to a reality series, I think, is mm. that they have different rules on the portrayal of smoking and stuff. Yeah. Even though it airs after the war shed, even though, in theory, you shouldn't be showing this program to children, there is still more rules about the depiction of smoking in a reality show rather than in a documentary series. Mm-hmm. So the point that when UK Big Brother, they were airing a series as the UK smoking ban came in in 2007, and they forced all the housemates in that series who smoked to smoke outside immediately from the start of the series, even though it was like a week or two in that the smoking ban came in, in public places. And they made them sit in a giant ashtray. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it wasn't the Hunters, it was just a camper van and recovery vehicle. And we then move back to Stephen and Martin, because we're getting whiplash in this episode. They've been prioritised as a thorn in the Hunters' sides. They stink. And exit, pursued by a swan. <laughs> oh, how good. Uh, I tell you what, when I watched that scene, it really reminded me of series two when we just used to get random shots of Nick kind of wandering across fields. It was like they need to show Martin and Stephen because we can't forget who they are. And then you just get this 30 seconds of random walking past the canal and the, oh, there's a swan. Great. Something happened. Brilliant. Put that in the episode. <laughs> it's the most interesting thing that happened to them in an entire week. Yes. <laughs> because we assume, given that they were introduced in episode three, that their story is roughly a week per episode. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. In seven days, the most interesting thing that they came across was a swan. Yep. yep. They're doing well. They're doing well. And this is the massive winner klaxon in Hunted, isn't it? <laughs> what, exit pursued by a swan? Yeah, just anything that's like... Why have you put that in the episode? Oh, we can't forget who these guys are. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then, yet again, whiplash, go back to Adam and Emma. 
I don't know why they just inserted the Stephen and Martin bit in the middle of Adam and Emma. Exactly. Why? We're just back to them again. So annoying. And there is more monkeying with the timeline just to please Ant even further. <laughs> because it is apparently day seven, because Black says it will be a week tomorrow since they used the cash machine, which was on day one, like two hours into the hunt. Tannenson thinks that they will find it stressful staying quiet, and they're actually in Wales now, living off the land. And they haven't been in Yorkshire for five days. Adam catches a small fish, but it is too small for dinner. And Sherlock says that the downside of going rural is being away from your network, and it being tougher to react to changes quickly. They look for a place to camp, as they don't want to use any of their money... And it is suddenly day 12. Emma says that the camp looks gloomy, so they head into town to find somewhere to stay. And then have a massive fight about where to stay. Um, just before they leave to go and find somewhere to camp, did you notice the music? In what respect? Oh my god, you didn't notice something that I noticed. Oh jeez. Oh my god. <laughs> Ring the bells. Um, the music was all touchy-feely. When they were talking about their relationship and they were talking about the, the fish, it was mm. just, it was like all romantic music. And I'm like, what the hell? And where has this come from? You need to go back and listen. Well, they don't really have too much in the way of romantic couples in this series, if you think about it. Well, in any of the series. Well, in this one particularly, because they do have Sandra and Elizabeth, who obviously are married. Yeah, but they're not romantic at all. Well, Sandra and Elizabeth weren't given the opportunity to be romantic because they got caught four days into the hunt and had zero content apart from getting on buses. Hmm. Adam and Emma are the only people in this series who they really can give a romantic storyline to. Hmm. Or romantic music to. And to make us like them before, you know, they make a very stupid mistake. It is very strange. I, I remember it from the episode. But I just sort of skipped over it because I'm like, ugh, they're getting caught anyway. I don't really care that much. Yeah, it... Again, it's it's a really odd one because you, you're right, Michelle. They, they give us all the cues that we should be really rooting for these guys and, you know, they're a lovely couple and, yeah, wouldn't it be great? If that's the case, that that scene should have been two episodes ago because what's the point in building up, oh, yeah, Adam and Emma, they're lovely, they're a great couple and they've gone rural, they've completely gone off the ground. Oh, no, they've been caught. That's it. <laughs> it's just pointless. Yes. It's distinctly underwhelming telling a story like this where they get one day short of Dr. Ricky Allen, I think, if my math is right. They get caught on day 18. And it's really underwhelming telling this story in the entirety of 40 minutes of yeah. airtime because they are introduced like 10 minutes into this episode. <laughs> yeah. And it's just another opportunity missed because you could have set up all their backstory could have been in ep episodes one, two, or three. We could have had them really struggling in Wales and, and, and you know, and the, the horrible camping could have been in one episode. Then they could have saved going to Lords for another episode and we'd have been all like, oh, they've got one over the hunters. Then hit us with the capture. Would have been great. Yeah, you could easily make the argument, as I did earlier in this episode, of giving them at least two episodes but also maybe giving them a scene in episode two when you introduce Freddie and Jackie and the Sings, because those stories are potentially a little bit intertwined. You give them a little scene in episode two, you maybe don't pick up with them until episode four, you give them loads of content in episode four, give them the cliffhanger of Ember being caught and Adam hiding behind the car, let him get caught at the start of episode five. That works. That's how I would tell their story. The editors need to be put in jail. Had enough. I think the editors changed after this series, being honest. 
Do you know, I was thinking that earlier as I'm going to have a look at the credits and see who the editor was, and I'm almost certain it won't be the same as the episode, as the editor for season two. Yeah, it feels like they edited each episode in a vacuum and just whoever was in the edit bay was not talking to each other in this series. So despite not wanting to use too much money, they stop in a pub for a drink and Emma reluctantly agrees to take a bus back to the gloomy campsite. And now we move to Lincolnshire with Emily. She's been on the run for 19 days and has decided at the last minute to go visit Ernest, her son, Michelle's favourite bit of the episode. <laughs> Defying the point of sending her card home to her mother as a decoy. Michelle, I'm going to now mute my microphone. I'm sure Ant's going to do the same it's thing. Okay, it's okay. No, I'm not even up to that bit first. First, I want to know how she travelled 200 miles on less than 15 pounds. How is that possible? Money-saving expert. It's just, but she was on lots of, I thought that I saw her on trains and things. Well, they implied that she snuck onto a train, at least. Yeah, it seemed to look like that. Okay. Like, how does that even happen? And she changed at every junction. She just took clothes off homeless people's backs and gave her what she was wearing. That, I thought, was brilliant. That, that was like Different. proper top level. Loved that. That was great. As much as obviously we have criticised Emily a little bit, but more criticised the producers for actually casting Emily because, you know, she probably wouldn't pass the psych test in most series now. As much as we criticise some of her actions in this series, her changing clothes at every junction is amazing. More importantly, mm-hmm. her making a snap decision to just completely go 200 miles in a different direction is a good decision, albeit so stupid decision at the same time because, you know, she's going somewhere where the hunters are going to be checking on her. In a vacuum, her decision to just spontaneously go 200 miles in a different direction is a great one to stop the hunters catching her. Mm-hmm. And we know that yes. she's good because she gets away with it. <laughs> you know, she, she is very, very good at this. Yeah. In any other series, we probably would have got some sort of redemption arc from her of learning to be a strong independent woman or whatever and we just don't get it in this series i need to know did production tell them they had to go and visit home i don't think they did i don't think there were many rules in first series because it's you know the whole documentary thing what happens happens i think there's some rules like if we get close enough to catch you you've got to let us catch you because otherwise we're just wasting time but other than that it feels like yeah, go where you want. There's definitely not the rules about having to keep moving because we know that people stay in the same place for days and days and days. So, yeah, I think she can do what she wants. All right. Then I can't have a go at the Hunter team. And what I'm going to say is that, yeah, stupid going home. However, she is so selfish in that she'll do that with a young child because young children, as I've worked with young children for decades, there are mothers at like daycare, childcare, wherever, schools, who are so into their child that they have to go back or they can't leave them. They see their child crying, they walk back across the yard to see them again and it just sets the child up for failure in that they can't, you know, get over their mother being there. So they, the mother keeps coming back, they keep crying, the People who are there have to try and fix the child as soon as the mother finally leaves. And this mother going back to that little, what is it, like 14 months maybe? That child would have cried and cried when she left finally again 
and it's so selfish of her to do that. I don't care how much you miss your child. If they're five, six, fine, they can cope with it, but not one that's this small. It's just mean and selfish and it really made me really dislike Emily. Just so bad. And then she was sitting in the back seat with him. She wasn't wearing a seatbelt for one thing. And then the baby's saying something, oh, making a noise, and she said, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, we're on the run. It's scary, isn't it? I'm sorry, he has no idea what's happening. What are you saying that rubbish for? And then she says, oh, he loves it. No, he doesn't because he doesn't understand what's happening. Oh, my God. There was so much hate for Emily just then. I was like, I'm not coping. She does also swear in front of him in that scene. Yeah, she does. I know. Yeah, Yeah, I know. It's it's too little. But you're you're absolutely right, Michelle. And and at, at that age what Ernest won't be great at is measuring time. He just knows his mum's not there. Then she comes back, then she goes again. So it's that separation thing, isn't it? You know, she's made that twice as bad. If she goes away and leaves him for the full four weeks, she's only left him once. Coming back and leaving again is much worse. Mm. Yeah. On the visiting home theme, I don't think we've had a married couple since Emma and Adam. And the reason I say that is because Emma and Adam, when they're set up in this episode, it doesn't sound really like they have much in the way of parents and stuff at home for them to do a family visit with. Yes, they have the friends who they end up staying with, but that wouldn't count under the normal rules of going home. I believe, and I'm willing to be corrected on this, that it does have to be a close relation for it to count under that rule in more recent Mm. series. Well, presumably Emma's parents are in France. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't get the impression that Adam and Emma would have had someone to adhere to that rule had it been in place in series one, necessarily. Not not. that we saw, at least. Maybe they did. Maybe it was just part of something that was on the cutting room floor of the 18 days that I think they were on the run. But we don't get any impression of them having actual close family relations who they could have visited on the run if they were required to. Mm, Yeah. So at the same time as Emily has a sweet reunion with Ernest, H could get the bank card ping on Emily's account, having £250 being removed. Her account's now empty, and they get the CCTV of her mum, Paula, removing the money. As a result, the covert team are dispatched to prick into Paula's house, because, you know, why not send the covert team? H could give the all clear for them to break in and apprehend Emily should they find her. The TV's still on standby, but no one is in the house because they have, as Michelle said, taken to the roads with Emily not wearing a seatbelt. And we do also get some context that Ernest's christening is on July 18th, which would have been about day 78 of the hunt. (laughs) Yeah. Because I did genuinely work that out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a random, useless fact, really, wasn't it? It's got no impact whatsoever. I believe it was the 4th of May that was day one of the hunt. Yeah, that sounds about right. So Adam and Emma are on day 10 and have sent HQ a cheeky postcard taunting them. This seems to be the same day as the breakdown in the pub. Postmark is from Wales and HQ think that it is a trick. Lex gets the hunt with them and as with everyone on this show, he has a cigarette before he swears about them. (laughs) And where's the chief? I don't know. I don't think he was in the entire episode. It was only Plex and Sherlock. He was in the episode at least he once. He was in it, but 
Not a lot. Really? Yeah, because coming up, he actually tells them to throw all their resources at the channels in revenge for the uh, the postcard. Yeah. Mm, God, I just thought, what what the hell's going on here? Do you think it was a stupid move for them to taunt the hunters? No, it's never a no. stupid move to taunt the hunters. It's always a great move. I love it. From an entertainment point of view, obviously. <laughs> yeah, from an entertainment point of view, it's obviously a great idea because it gives them airtime. But actually, by the time that it arrives at HQ, they are down to them, Ricky, Emily, Lauren, and Stephen and Martin left on the run. Mm-hmm. Assuming that the capture days are as accurate as they think they are. They are down to like six people being left on the run. They are just taunting the hunters and going, come on, direct all your resources to us. I dare you. And it's very silly, in my mind. <laughs> if there's no requirement, like in later series, for them to taunt the hunters, maybe you play it a little bit more sensibly. Yeah, I disagree. I think it's fun. What I'd love to see one year is for them to, for example, send a postcard from Wales and then stay in Wales. I think that'd be great. Be like, that's the last place they're going to look because they know we're winding them up. And they were like, well, they can't be there. <laughs> That'd be great. Would that fall foul of the you've got to move within 48 hours rule? Probably, but it would just be funny if they were like, here we are, come and get us. And they're like, huh, they're just taunting us. No, no, we actually were there. <laughs> and more monkeying with the timeline with Adam and Emma here because they're actually having a day out at Lords with friends Mitch and Caroline right under the hunters' noses. Five days ago they cracked, but decided to provoke the hunters and then head to London. And we don't really get an accurate day on this. The only reason I've worked out the day that they get caught is because of the cricket match they go to. There was only one match that was done between England and New Zealand, as we saw on screen, actually in the time period of the hunt, which was a five-day test between May 21st and 25th, which puts this as at least day 18. Impressive. Mm. They tell this in a really weird way, don't they? Because they're like, show them at Lords, and then it's like five days ago this happened. It's what? Is somebody? So just is there an apprentice in the editing room, and somebody's like, oh, I know, I'm going to do this like some kind of docudrama. It's like previously. It's really weird. It's like they got intern Simon in just to do a day in the editing suite. Yeah, <laughs> it's just very odd. So Brett decides to throw all their resources at the channels in revenge. Blex just wants to find out which associates to monitor. They're put under monitoring, and Julie says that they are far too social not to contact people. And as is confirmed, they are staying with their work colleague who connects both of them. Mm. That's Mm. really clever. Usually we get an associate who is a friend of one of them at most, but no, he works with both of them in PR. Yeah. And they use Caroline's phone to contact another friend with a coded message. HQ get the information because she's on monitoring and deploy a team from HQ, including Julian Toddington, to go and watch the house inconspicuously. Yes. I'm like, oh my God, Julie is out of the office. Well, this is the second time because Julie and Toddington are both involved in Ricky's capture the next day. So they must have had a van on hire. <laughs> because it's within the m25 it's both bits of london both days julian toddington and everyone else have a field trip out (laughs) i don't think it was the van they hired it was the sunglasses ah yeah but both bits of this have been in the pre-episode trailer all series of toddington screaming at adam we know where you are you're surrounded and julie just looking inconspicuous from behind a hedge and 
even with the context, it doesn't make it any less silly them going there, I would say. It's like the Ground Hunters just weren't available on day 18. No, they're just too close to HQ. It's just too tempting. We'll go. And it's not even like normal where Sherlock will change into a white t-shirt and jeans to go and help. Even he stays back at the office this time. I have a suspicion that probably all of the Ground Hunter teams were moved to Scotland to try and catch Ricky at this point. Mm -hmm. Then they got a lead on the channels and went, oh shit, we got no one nearby. Um, Anyone want to go from HQ? Because <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense for Julian Toddington actually doing it, as much as I love both of them. They might have been on their way home. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> just a casual fugitive pickup halfway through. Yeah, just you know, on the on the way back to the Toddington household, we'll just stop off and, and catch this guy. <laughs> so they make their presence known to try and speak the fugitives correctly, as it seems, and the only exit route is through a few gardens and across the streets. Julie then knocks on the door. Adam and Emma are hidden in the back bedroom. Caroline, thankfully, is one of the rare friends who is a good liar on this show, but Julie and Toddington still don't actually believe her. Emma suggests that she makes a diversion and allows Adam to run off on his own. He reluctantly agrees, and she leaves the house on her own to get caught, and he runs through the back exit, which Toddington immediately sees anyway. Like, this is a very silly plan. It is, but, you know, I have to say, Adam versus Toddington in a foot race... I'm backing Adam. Yeah, Adam holds yes. his own here. It's a, I don't really get why he only gets as far as a car park and then just tries to hide. Just keep running. Toddington is not an unfit man. But he's probably got 15 years on Adam. So, you know, just just run. Just keep going. I think Adam's plan basically was to just hide in that car park until everything blew over and then run into the park or whatever it was. So Emma's time on the run is over, but Adam makes a break for it out the street. Toddington shouts at him that he's surrounded. We know where you are. He hides behind a car. It's a bad disguise, and his time on the run is also over. And then we end the episode with something that I don't think they've done since at all, which is a three months later flash forward. Yes. Emma's pregnancy is confirmed, and he says that he's going to feel guilty when he watches it back to see how hard that he pushed her. And the last trace of them publicly is that... They did some sort of baby shower video in 2015 that's on his YouTube channel. He has one video on there. <laughs> wow. So next time, the final four go on the run for the final days of the hunt. Stephen and Martin spot their wanted poster on Facebook. Brett announces the last day of the hunt has begun. Flex works on the theory that Emily is with a phone. And Sherlock tries to stop a plane taking off. Hmm. Bit spoilerific, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, usually they're fairly ambiguous about what the exit transport is going to be. It is indeed a plane. It is from Fairbanks Airport, I think it was in Surrey. Something like that. I can't quite remember, but... I'm anticipating that the finale is going to be a fairly oddly told episode, or one, you know. Because obviously we know what happens. We know how many of these people, if anyone, actually escapes. Yeah. I think it's going to be weirdly told. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, I think I'm with you. The whole thing is weirdly told. It has to be weirdly told, finally. I sort of can't wait for next week's episode where we just tear into the editors one last time and then go, oh, by the way, yeah, we're back for Hunted next year and it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> it does still remain my favourite show, but it's... Uh, hey, do you know what? That That's a compliment, right? Because they took this and clearly there was enough potential in it and we enjoyed it at the time. There was enough in it for someone to go, you know what? 
you just shave off a few of these rough edges, you've got a really good show here. And and mm. all credit to them, they've turned it around. By season two, the difference between season one and season two is way bigger than between season two and season five. Yeah, don't get me wrong at all with this episode. We love Hunted. And I know Kevin's going to be listening to this and probably send me a DM going, why were you so mean about my show, even though it's you know <laughs> six years old? We love this show. We had just forgotten how plain odd this first series actually is. We had totally forgotten. It's just like season one of Amazing Race Canada. It's very much a beta test, and you can see the the genesis of a lot of the stuff that you see in later series in these episodes. But there's a whole lot of weird shit surrounding it. That's what we try and point out with these episodes, is the fact that it's just plain strange, some of the decisions, both on the fugitive side and production side, in these episodes. Yeah. But it's still great. Still great television. Yeah, it's still a solid, like, 7 or 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. It's just the later series are sort of a 9 or a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I mean, other than isolated examples, this is probably as good as casting has ever been as well. Can you imagine if they'd already got into their groove and had Ricky Allen and Emily in, in a later series where they could really tell their story? It'd just be amazing. Mm. Yeah, I... I don't think some of the people from this series would have passed the casting or the psych test of series two. I, I know that, but do you, do you know where I'm coming from? Like, if, if you could get such a stellar cast and have the storytelling and brilliant editing and, you know, better rules in place, oh my God, this would have been just incredible. Emily's story, for example, I think would have been a lot more palatable with her having to go and see Ernest rather than her choosing to see Ernest. And her being able to say to him, I'm doing this for you. I want to win a share of a hundred grand. Mm. Well, if that would have happened, I would have had a huge go at Hunter Production in why you're doing this to a little boy. Oh, there would have been, it would have been vitriol. We can save that for next week. <laughs> have you guys got anything else you want to say about this episode? No, let's no. let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, let it, let it wash over us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so thank you for listening to our hunted recap we'll be back this time next week for the final episode of the series don't forget you can contact us on twitter facebook youtube or instagram where we are rtv warriors or you can email us and contact at rtv warriors.com anthony's on twitter at Bullsboy. michelle is on twitter at bear three and i'm mj harmstone see you next week for the finale but with that for now your time in the run is over Bye. very stereo i'm proud of you both you were not that stereo <laughs> last week. You've, you've got your mojo back. I'm proud. Oh, God.